Please join me in uh, reading from God's Word in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5. I want to read verses 1 through 7. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God, and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. I'd like for you to underline that intriguing phrase, the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know they are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on the earth, therefore let your words be few. For the dream comes through much effort and the voice of a fool through many words. This vision, this dream, this... uh, Uh, plan that you have. It's going to cost. It comes from effort. So don't make promises without realizing the cost. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for He takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech cause you to sin, And do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For in many dreams and in many words there is emptiness. Brother, fear God. Did you know there's some people who think that you're a fool because you go to church. I mean, that's the most foolish thing. Word means one who is deceived. That's the most foolish thing, you know, to some people. Young people, some of your classmates may come up to you tomorrow and say, what'd you do last night? You say, well, I went to church. They're going to say, oh, golly, what? That's a, that's not, you know, that's a drag. You're a fool. I know some uh, wives whose husbands think they are the biggest fools because they go to church. There are some people who think you're a fool if you go to church, if you worship God. But the emphasis of this text is that the author is concerned that we make fools of ourselves when we worship in the house of God or as we worship in the house of God. I think it was Amos who said that sometimes our worship is no more than sin. Now I'm going to have to confess that I have a problem with this word fool. And you'd have a problem with it too if I were to call you one. If I were to call you a fool tonight, I'd probably need to be looking for the closest exit or ducking from a right hook or a left cross or whatever. And God doesn't use this word much. As a matter of fact, if you research the Bible, you would find that God only refers to a man as a fool seven times in the entire Bible. I mean, He saves this word for special occasions. But here in the space of seven verses, He calls, He refers to the fool three times And he does it in reference to the people who worship him. 
for worship that is nothing more than the sacrifice of a fool is what he's concerned about. Now we've spent a great deal of time in the book of Ecclesiastes establishing that this is the chronicle of this empty, futile, and fruitless life. And the key phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes is vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And the author of the book of Ecclesiastes is concerned lest our worship in itself becomes empty and futile and fruitless and vanity of vanities. I mean the worship itself becomes futile and empty and worthless and fruitless. And the author pictures the worshiper in three settings. He's on his way to worship in the house of God. He's there at worship offering his prayer or his sacrifice, his worship. And then he leaves and goes back to the ordinary life and he gives warning to those who are preparing to worship, those who are worshiping, and then those who leave the worship experience to go back to life. And I'm intrigued tonight by this phrase, the sacrifice of fools. When is worship the sacrifice of a fool? Well, the sacrifice of fools in the first place is worship without preparation. And so he says, guard your steps on your way to the house of God. Watch your feet. Be careful how you live your life on your way to worship God. And it's the picture of a person making his way across a tightrope. Perilously he guards every step and he watches carefully. It's the picture of one walking across a mountain stream on the rocks above the water level and he's carefully watching every every step he takes. That is, he goes deliberately and thoughtfully with a realization of what he's about to do. Be careful as you come to the house of God for worship. Let me me tell you, I, I think that we take this matter of public worship too flippantly and too lightly. When does the worship service begin here in this church? Does it begin at 8.45 on Sunday morning or 10.45? Worship begins here at 8 o'clock in the morning. And you know what's wrong with 8 o'clock on Monday morning, in the morning? And you know what's wrong with most of our worship why it's so empty and meaningless and ineffective? It's because we try to bring an unholy life into the presence of a holy God. And we bring this unholy life into the presence of a thrice holy God. Listen, folks, we come into the presence of God. And that ought to make some kind of difference in how we approach this matter. I got ready for this worship service tonight. Got got on another suit, you know, got a new suit on. Asked my wife to press out a few wrinkles in the the pants legs that had been there from hanging on the rack. Got me a new tie, Christmas tie, you know, put it on. Put on a little Aramis so I'd smell good. Well, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I look okay? <laughs> Whoa, here, wait, no, huh? 
And uh, so, so I got, I, I brushed my teeth and I got Bumbadaka, you know, so, so that when, when I come to the end of this, I'll put a little Banaka on. As a guy watches on television, a Roman Catholic, he thought it was some kind of ritual. Could I, could I go through at the end? Some kind of special thing before the invitation? You know, but, uh, but it is special because, you know, I don't want to, you know, knock you down when I talk to you after it's over. And, and why, 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 not, why am I doing this? It's because I'm conscious of being in your presence. And I'm preparing to come into your presence. I, I'm conscious of the fact that I'm going to be in your presence. And I, you know, I don't want to offend you. Has it ever occurred to you that you may offend this holy God in whose presence you come? And we congratulate ourselves when we come to church. And we applaud those people who come to church on Sunday night. I mean, not everybody comes on, on Sunday night to church. That's, you know, that's pretty obvious. And we congratulate ourselves when we come to church on Sunday night. The problem is not with, with God is not with those who do not come to church. The problem with God is those who come to church and offend Him with their unholy lives. Be careful how you come. Never take this matter of public worship lightly. You're coming into the presence of God. Now how did you prepare yourself for this moment in God's holy presence? Harvest water just runs off a soil that's not prepared to receive it. What did you do to prepare yourself for this moment before a holy God? Let me tell you, that right preparation for worship is better than worship itself if that worship is that of fools. The sacrifice of fools is worship without preparation. It's amazing to me to turn in the book of Acts and find that when they gathered together there and Simon Peter got up and preached that sermon, just a simple sermon, just kind of reviewed the Jewish history that everybody was familiar with, gave an invitation. Really, he didn't give the invitation. The people gave the invitation. They said, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? And, and, and in a moment, in that one service, 3,000 men, not counting women and children, were saved. Now, why was that so different? Well, these people, these apostles had spent 15 days getting their hearts prepared for that one service. Let me throw out a challenge to you. You spend the next six days getting ready to meet a holy God. I mean really getting ready to come into the presence of one you might offend with an unholy life. And you see what happens here next Sunday morning when we open this service. You could cut the dynamic of this place with a knife if you did that. The sacrifice of fools in the second place is worship without listening. Is worship without listening. And he said, you're coming here to hear God. Now why do you come to church? Well, you say, I come to hear this marvelous music. I'm so sick and tired, you know, going out and, you know, visiting people. And they say, yeah, wasn't that music great? I just wish, you know, somebody would say, wasn't that sermon? Yeah, sermon was marvelous. 
And you know, I just, God told me, he said, I just love to come to your church down there to hear that music. It's made my day. <laughs> you, you don't, you're not coming to hear the choir. You, you're not even coming to hear the preacher. Sometimes, I live under this terrible burden of that. You know, knowing that most of the people that come to sit out in the congregation are spectators who've come to hear some kind of a stirring, you know, thrilling, entertaining sermon. Sometimes I feel like when I finish preaching, I expect that people are going to hold up these cards, you know. There's 6.5 and 7.75 kind of, you know, grade you. <laughs> Look for that to happen. Like these divers, you know, after they get through. And, and every week, you know, I live under the pressure and the burden of, 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 of knowing that, that, that most folks come to, quote, hear the preacher. You didn't come to hear the preacher. You came to hear God. Well, let me tell you how you can tell if this has been a successful worship service. You can tell if this has really meant been something meaningful to you tonight, if when you leave you say to yourself, God said something to me tonight and I heard Him. Now if you got your outline, I'm going to give you those three points. I'm just going to give you the three points and I'm going to amplify them. Be careful about hasty promises. This is some directions for conduct in the act of worship. Be careful about hasty promises. One man said to Jesus, Lord, I'll go. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Do you understand your promise? Can you make true, can you fulfill that promise? Second, God accepts no late payments. Now most of us have made vows. We intend to keep them. We have made vows we don't intend to keep. We're just not ready to keep them now. God accepts no late payment. When I was in college, I got me a part-time job delivering furniture. The guy was good to me. He let me do some selling on a commission. Hadn't been selling three days, and this young gal came in, just got married, wanted to look for a whole household of furniture. I mean the whole works. Living room, bedroom, stove, everything. And I was adding it up in my mind, my commission, as I was selling it. Didn't even have to, just showed it to her. She was picking everything out. Boy, I was counting my commission. So after I wrote, wrote the contract and turned it in my boss, he said, I bet you that credit's not worth a flip. So we ran a credit check, turned it down. The reason didn't pay on time. Didn't accept the credit. Didn't pay on time. I'm sure everybody here tonight intends one day to make true the vow you've made to God. It's late and God accepts no late payment. Third, it's better not to promise than to break a promise. Now, the worship of fools is to come to the worship of God and not hear Him. The majority of people have come, come to God's house whose lives have, have never been changed simply because they didn't listen to God. Listen, if God speaks to you and you hear Him, 
you'll never be the same again. Can you imagine what that'd be like? If God speaks to you tonight and you hear Him, you'll never be the same again. The worship, the sacrifice of fools, for, finally, is worship without obeying it. Now I want to read verses 4 through 6 again. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for He takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech cause you to sin. You can make promises to God you can't keep, and that's a sin. And do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake. Don't say, hey, that was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your words, your voice, and destroy the work of your hands? Now, I studied this passage for a long time. I've come to this conclusion, or these conclusions. One of the main reasons for the weak state of the church are the, vo are the broken vows we've made. The main reason for unanswered prayer in our life is the broken vows we've made. And the main reason for the unsuccessful work of the church, that is, revival meetings that don't last, or that we make all these promises to God we've not kept. And there are times when God is angry with our voice. And it makes Him angry when we pray. And it makes Him angry when we sing our hymns. And it makes Him angry when we worship. And that's when we have vows that we have broken and we've not kept. And He destroys the work of our hands. Now what is a vow? A vow is a contract that you make with God. Let me give you an illustration. Lord, I, need to I know I need to tithe. And that preacher's preaching on tithing. I know I need to tithe. I'm going to start doing that. But you don't. Lord, I know that I need to apologize to that person that I've offended, and I'm going to do that. I'm convicted about that. And you don't. Lord, I know I need to develop a quiet time when I get into the Word of God and I read God's Word and pray and have a devotional life in the beginning of every day, and I'm going to do that. And you don't. Be careful about making vows that you can't keep. Because the Scripture says that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak. You know, where, you know where the most idle talk takes place? It takes place in the church. And I'm not talking about all this conversation that goes on before worship service. I'm talking about all these promises that we make to God and never fulfill. And I have a feeling that one day we're going to be surprised at how much we sin when we sing every idle word. And I was thinking while I was sitting here tonight and we were singing, 
follow, I will follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere. I will follow on. Oh, yeah? And we sing, I love to tell the story. And we belt that out. Oh, really? How many times did you tell the story this past week? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Oh, really? Sure, yeah. That's what we sing. And I think we're going to be amazed and surprised when we must give an account to God for those idle words. And he draws the bottom line and he says this. When the bottom line is drawn, this is what it's all about. You fear God. Somebody said, and I quote, The test of vitality of a group does not occur primarily while the group is meeting. It occurs after the meeting is over. I'm going to have to confess that there have been some times when I've been in worship services when I have sensed this awful presence of God. And I think that I understand what it means to fear God because I have known that reverential awe I have of God when I leave. Let's pray together. I pray, Father, that what we've done tonight has not been the sacrifice, the worship of fools. And I pray tonight that you'll help us to make vows that we can keep and that we will return to promises we've made and broken. And help us to sense the urgency of this hour, that we're late in the keeping of the promise, that some of us have made promises when we were young that we've never kept. And we made promises years ago in our better moments that we're late in paying. Help us to understand that you destroy the work of our hands when we do not keep promises we've made. God, help us to understand how serious this moment is. A moment of invitation, searching, repentance of life, for I pray in Jesus' name. Now there are three invitations, understanding the, the gravity of this invitation, and its import, its seriousness, this, an invitation to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is ready to take full responsibility for the life that's yielded to Him. An invitation tonight to join this church, realizing that you're making a promise that the ethic of your life is based upon the ecclesiology of your faith, that is, 
the doctrine of this church. And so you live on the basis of the fact that you're belonging, you're uniting, you're bonding yourself to a fellowship. An invitation tonight to go back and make do, make real those promises you've made and not kept. So I'll ask you to stand and I'll ask you to come this invitation while we sing. Would you come?